You're listening to Jet Nation Radio, the official podcast of JetNation.com, the largest independent fan site in the NFL. Be sure to check out our forums and talk all things Jets with thousands of other diehard Jets fans. Now to get you up to date on all the latest Jets news, notes, and quotes, here are your hosts, Glenn Naughton and Alex Barallo. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of Jet Nation Radio. Uh, I am joined by my host, Dylan Terriman, tonight. Um, Glenn might be calling in. He had a last-minute work situation, but we do hope to hear from him later on in the show. Uh, Dylan, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. I mean, uh, we've kind of been in this purgatory state since Halloween, maybe a little bit before that, where... Our victories come in the form of losses if you're a Jets fan. So I guess maybe happy Victory Tuesday because the Jets continue to lose and continue to win the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes per se. That is absolutely 100%. Um, A little comical, uh, a little sad seeing, you know, Twitter melting down up until the last 10 seconds of that game. And, you know, who would – who would have known that uh, Henry Ruggs and, and Derek Carr would be the unsung heroes to, to keep the tankathon alive. Uh, but before we get too far ahead of ourselves, I want to take a moment to uh, take a, give some light onto our sponsor, Mile Social. Uh, Mile Social is a great tool for all businesses. If you are trying to uh, get your company uh, out to the masses of social media and you need help with, uh, management, web design, search engine optimization. Mile Social is your go-to plan. You can find them at M-I-L-E-S-O-C-I-L.com, and that is milesocial.com. So, Dylan, a little short on the injury updates for tonight, but we have some new names that we have to cover, and that is probably going to change uh, the outcome. for many things in the upcoming weeks. Uh, as of right now, it looks like Greg Van Roten has a toe issue and is not looking good for this Sunday. Um, as we also know, and we're going to talk about this later on too, um, tonight we're going to get into conversation about Alex Lewis's situation. Obviously, we have to get into the Greg Williams firing that had happened um, due to that horrific call that he made at the end of the game. And we'll also be talking about a former Jet that we'll have to be facing this week in Jamal Adams. So to further the list on the injuries here, it looks like Ashton Davis is working with a, dealing with a foot issue and Bennett Jackson is dealing with a hamstring issue. And he could possibly be done for the season um, per Adam Gase. Uh, I got that info from Rich Samini this week. Um, he also highlighted the fact that maybe Cam Clark might be getting an opportunity to play. My guess is that they probably are going to go with Josh Andrews, which I disagree with. And, you know, I'd like to see Cam Clark. I think you and I have talked about that at length. Um, And also right now there's only two safeties on the roster that seem to be healthy, and that's Marcus May and Matthias Farley. Dylan, um, what do you think about the, uh, the slim numbers at the safety position and, uh, do you, do you think that Cam Clark's going to get an opportunity to crack the lineup this week? 
Uh, well, first I want to uh, we'll talk about the O-line. Um, Van Roten, uh, it was kind of hard to tell uh, live when the game happened, but there was a small broadcast replay angle where you could see George Fant kind of ripped his defender over that way and rolled up on Van Roten pretty hard. So I'm not sure if uh, we'll actually see Van Roten again this season, which kind of sucks for me. I mean, I kind of was rooting for him. I know Jets fans weren't exactly impressed with him, but I was impressed with the fact that he was able to stay on the field 100% of the games up until that injury. So, I mean, moving forward, you would hope Cam Clark can crack a spot in the lineup. He's been a healthy scratch, I guess you could call him, the last few weeks on the inactive report. Um, I think they have to try him out at this point. They have nothing else to lose unless he's truly just not healthy enough. And then the safety position, I mean, we saw when Ashton Davis got hurt that Matthias Farley was just not at all capable of being a replacement. He was burnt by Darren Waller several times. I posted it on Twitter about a few hours ago, just going over the zero blitz thing. And there was a third and eight on the prior drive where where Farley just got cooked by Darren Waller at the top of the uh, top of the field, and Derek Carr just missed him. He threw it to Aguilar instead. But uh, I mean, safety is just going to be bleak for now. And uh, with a new defensive coordinator, <clears throat> we'll see how he likes to deploy the safeties. But it's not looking good. They signed Elijah Campbell to the active roster. He played a little bit last game, mainly on special teams or solely on special teams, and. Uh, We'll just see. We need warm bodies at safety. Maybe they call up Shaheem Carter. He was an undrafted free agent that they signed after the draft process. That He's an undersized guy from Alabama, but he's got good ball skills. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, very, very interesting how the Jets were so strong at safety, uh, you know, in the beginning of this year. And now we're, we're looking at it in week 13 going into week 14 here. And, uh, that's the way the NFL is. A lot can change um, from, you know, from one week to the next. And, uh, you know, speaking of the NFL and uh, some things that is going on around the league, uh, and this is going to tie in our special guest tonight, because we do have a couple callers coming in. And uh, there's a thing that all these NFL players are doing each week, and it's called My Cause, My Cleats. Um, players are, uh, supporting foundations and trying to raise awareness around the league to the fan base on, on how to get involved and support uh, all different things that are of major concerns in our world today. Uh, you know, just to kind of spot some of the players on our Jets teams, uh, Ashton Davis was supporting drug addiction awareness. Um, apparently he has some ties with his family um, having, you know, experienced that himself. So, very important thing for him. Uh, Braxton uh, Berrios is bringing awareness on uh, brain tumors. Matthias Farley is doing suicide prevention. And as we know, former Jet Brandon Marshall uh, was a big advocate on the bipolar and manic depression scene, uh, being that he actually suffered, suffered from those uh, situations as well. And, and he's come forward with it. And he's really been a great role model for, for many people that, struggle with these things that they're really unsure of or they don't know how to handle them or try to find proper balance in our life. 
So our two guests tonight that will be calling in are from a company called Food and Mood, and they're going to help and bring, a, bring some information to us and our listeners uh, about what they have going on. And I'm not going to go in too deep into details because I want to give them the opportunity uh, to go ahead and, and tell us everything that they've got going on. I'm very excited about it personally, and, and I can't wait to hear about it. Uh, so uh, before we get into that, and, and the ladies will be calling in around 6.15, which is in about – seven to ten minutes or so we should be getting them on the air but before we uh go to that dylan um we mentioned it before uh the jets fall again this week um kind of a scary situation for those that were rooting for the loss um you know it was was quite interesting that we started out pretty decent um frank gore went down that was another player i forgot to mention that had went down i believe with a concussion um his status is up in the air, and we saw some activity from some players we haven't seen before, Josh Adams and uh, Ty Johnson. And Ty Johnson looks like he had a little bit of a breakout game, um, mainly because of some of the quality offensive line play that has occurred with uh, a new offensive lineman, our left guard, Pat Eflin. Uh, what was your take on uh, the running game and seeing some guys are – I guess this would be our three and our four on the depth chart at this point, uh, cracking the lineup and doing some positive things. Uh, yeah. So with Pat Elfline, I mean, I was kind of a fan of the hire or the signing rather when, when they signed him a few weeks back, um, I didn't expect him to come in and start right away. I figured he would just be more depth and that we would see Cam Clark at that point. But once Elfline did step in, I mean, it's good that, He's been playing 100% of the snaps the two games he started, which is really positive to see. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> and then uh, the Mackay Becton first drive, specifically, when he was going up against Cleveland Farrell, there were some run blocks that he put on Farrell where he moved him at least four or five yards off the ball. I didn't get too deep into my rewatch. I watched the first ha- uh, the first drive of the Jets and then the last few drives of the you know the whole debacle of the cover zero thing just to take some notes on that but just the first drive alone Makai Becton came away with at least four pluses for me just putting hands on guys getting up to the next level being the lead blocker and you see it Gates has trust in him he runs to the left the majority of the time and with the running backs behind them I mean you kind of have to force Adam Gates's hand unfortunately to start the younger faster sometimes better running backs. And we saw it as soon as Gore went down on the second play, they combined for 180, I think 178 yards combined. So all in all, you have to like what you saw from the young guys and moving forward, you have to hope it continues. If if Gore comes back from injury and can play, maybe Gates says, Hey, we'll play with a hot hand and start Johnson and Adams instead of Gore. But I, overall, you have to be excited. Absolutely. And uh, I know I, I, I got a good laugh from a lot of people on Twitter saying, um, I don't think people realize that uh, Ty Johnson is, is, is supposed to be tanking and we need Frank Gore to come back in there. So quite comical from our fans on Twitter and their reactions. But it actually it's kind of interesting to see what a Jets offensive line can look like 
with a running back that's, you know, not 37 years old. And, you know, no disrespect to Frank Gore, but he's a great guy. Um, I think his time has passed, but uh, he's just not ready to hang up his cleats. And, um, you know, just really good to see a spark, something positive come from the offense because they haven't been doing much on that that front. And I'm just happy to, to see, you know, the offense starting to look like uh, a professional football team because our offense has been laggard as of late. And, uh, you know, the Jets were in it. We were fighting till the end. And, and unfortunately, our defensive coordinator took a gamble uh, that cost him his job. And we're going to get into that uh, later on t- tonight. And um, I believe uh, we have a caller on the line at the moment. Um, and just give us one second. We're going to get you on the air shortly. I believe we're going to have two special guests tonight, uh, Lauren Lapino and Holly DeLong from Food and Mood. So just give us a moment. We will get you on the air shortly. And go to the studio here. Okay, good. Okay. And uh, Dylan, um, what was your uh, reaction um, to Adam Gase's decision? Because apparently this didn't come from Joe Douglas. This came from Adam Gase himself on the firing. I thought this would be something that would come from the general manager. Uh, Did that? Uh, Yeah, that absolutely did shock me. Um, In the phone conference he does with, the media on Monday. This is Adam Gase. He does a Monday spot with the media on a phone conference. He said that he was the one that initially, or, you know, made the final decision on Greg Williams, whether to fire him or keep him. But there was a nice three to four second pause between being asked the question and when he answered it. And then he said it was an organizational decision and said that, you know, Christopher Johnson, Joe Douglas and team president, Jaime Elhai were all in the room with Gase discussing it. So I think it's a similar situation to the play calling. Is Gase just trying to say he did it just to maintain this power or control that he wants to have or seem to have over this organization? So, I mean, I don't think Adam Gase is for long if Jets fans are worried about that at any point, but maybe Joe Douglas just wants Adam Gase to keep it in his head that he has all this control so that when Joe Douglas pulls the rug out from under him, you know, Joe Douglas will come out and say, Hey, we're going to run it my way. I'm going to go get my guy at head coach. He'll get his staff and we're going to put it together the right way because for the past, at least 10 years, this power structure has not worked. Absolutely agree. And it looks like we have both of our callers on the line right now. I'm going to get them on the air. This is our food and mood uh, segment here. So, okay, Lauren and Holly, how you doing? Are you you're live on Jet Nation Radio? Hi, Hi how's it going? Hi. I'm glad to have Hi. both of you ladies on. And um, you know, I was giving our fans a little bit of a preview. I didn't want to get uh, too in depth about what you guys have going on with your new company, Food and Mood. Uh, So I'm going to start with just asking both of you to kindly uh, tell us a little bit about yourselves and and your, uh, you know, what you guys do for the company. 
So, Lauren, um, why don't you uh, give us the breakdown on, on your aspect? Yeah, sure. Well, first, thank you so much, um, Alex and Jet Nation, for having us on. So you mentioned Brandon Marshall. Um, and in retirement, he is taking a mind-body approach to his wellness, and he's taking it to the next level. Um, he's really speaking our language with his Fuel Bar 15. I don't know if you saw um, that he's got that whole thing going on now with recipes, healthy recipes for his mental health um, and what's best for his body. Um, he's a mental health advocate, and that's primarily why we're here. Um, we can help people feel better mentally by making lifestyle and nutritional changes. Mental health issues are growing at an alarming rate right now, and it was really in mine and Holly's separate clinical practices that we recognize the need for a team approach to health. So I am the mood portion of of food and mood. I'm a, I'm a therapist in northern New Jersey, and I've had a private practice focusing on anxiety for the last 15 years. And my name is Holly DeLong. I'm a registered dietitian. And as Lauren said, we just both really created, we wanted to create this company because we both saw in our individual practice that there was such a need for an integration of mental health and nutrition. So when I counsel people with diabetes or wanting to lose weight or have digestive issues, I see this need for integrating support for anxiety and depression. And we, when people aren't addressing that, uh, they're, they're really limited in the effects that they can see. And, and just the integration of those things is something that's sorely needed. So that is why we created a program called Holistic Happiness. And we're really excited about this because it's a new kind of integration, an alternate approach to what traditional therapy offers. So not everyone's comfortable with the idea of kind of going to a therapist and, and, and talking all about their feelings, but, you know, mental health struggles are out there for everyone. So holistic happiness makes that a little bit more reachable, reachable and accessible for people. This program is going to be all online, which is really great during this time where we're all kind of stuck in our homes and doing everything virtually. It's eight weeks long, and we'll meet weekly. We are really going to work to establish a community amongst everyone that's in the program. We're only accepting 20 participants, so it will be really tight-knit group uh, for providing support and accountability to one another. Uh, participants will also get one-on-one -on -one counseling with Lauren and myself. So offering those live hour-long webinars will focus on really important things to mental health that also integrate physical. So oftentimes this is overlooked, but people, uh, your gut health, your sleep quality, how your blood sugar is managed, that all really affects how we feel and our moods. So these will be sort of the topics that we focus on throughout the program, and it will really just be that, that tight-knit group and integration between those mental health and nutrition services. So we're really excited about that. The program kicks off in January, January 25th, and enrollment is open now. You can enroll on yourfoodandmood.com. That is great. I, I'm going to tweet that out uh, so that our listeners uh, can, you know, find you guys. And, and I believe that you guys have a website created as well, not only a Twitter account. I have your Twitter handle at, at your food and mood, uh, but you guys also have a website where our, our listeners can find you. Is that correct? 
That is correct, Al. We have yourfoodandmood.com, as I said, and that's where enrollment is. We also have a blog with helpful tips and tricks posted. We're on Instagram at yourfoodandmood and Facebook, and we post daily with things like recipes and just stress reduction tips. We focus a lot on COVID. We know that's really a struggle for people. So follow us on Instagram and Twitter for those, those tips and trips, tricks that you can see regularly. That's absolutely so awesome. Thing- you know, go for it, Lauren. So I think, I think we actually have some tips and strategies so that people can start feeling better um, after they watch the game on Sunday. They can start having a better mm-hmm. week. Um, so we, we definitely don't want you to start your Monday off crappy from your choices on Sunday. Um, and as we know, food and mood are unquestionably linked. Um, and we don't want you just grabbing whatever you see without much thought. Um, so we want to set you up to feel good for the following week. So here, Holly has, um, some, some nutritional tips, um, and some lifestyle tips that can help. Yeah, so this, this perpetual cycle of kind of the influence of food and mood and mood and food is really what we're focused on. So what you eat, uh, I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there can, can identify with Sunday football and, you know, you're consuming large quantities of food and alcohol. You're sitting down for hours. And then you start your week off on Monday feeling kind of blah, feeling tired. Maybe you're suffering from heartburn or some stomach issues. And that really sets the tone for your whole week. So I wanted to just provide a few tips and tricks, as Lauren said, and, and these may sound small, but really it's those small adjustments that can actually make a big difference while still allowing you to enjoy Sunday football that I know all of everyone listening is so passionate about. So one of the things is I know Sunday uh, the, the Jets games don't start any earlier than 1, so that kind of leaves an opportunity to start your day off on a good foot, uh, but with a nice, healthy breakfast get a workout in before the game, and that will kind of start you off on a good foot for for going into Sunday football. As you're sitting down to watch it, um, a lot of times people are are drinking alcohol, drinking beer, relaxing. Even something as simple as alternating an alcoholic drink with water can really make a huge difference in the way you feel the next day. Also, just the portions of food. So you can still enjoy your wings and your pizza, but if you just control your portions a little bit, that really makes a difference in how you feel the next day. So little things like keeping the wings or the pizza in the kitchen, loading up a plate, and going and watching the TV with your plate, as opposed to kind of having it all spread out on the coffee table where you'll just keep mindlessly reaching for things and end up filling up and feeling like crap. Uh, Even just moving around during the game, so stretching during halftime, get up, walk around, maybe get some fresh air, and then you could take it a little step further and maybe look for healthier alternatives for some of those traditional football meals. So there's tons of recipes out there for buffalo cauliflower bites that really enjoy. Or if you get your pizza from the frozen aisle at the grocery store, California Pizza Kitchen actually makes really great options. That's going to still allow you to enjoy the pizza, but with a little bit less grease. You know, maybe you won't have as bad heartburn and feel as as terrible the next day. And then my last tip is if you take a high-quality E-complex before going to bed after a Sunday game, then uh, your hangover will be a lot less worse the next day. So these tips and tricks can be really helpful. Maybe the listeners can even apply those to the 
upcoming Seahawks game this Sunday. Wow, that is so great. And I know I'm going to be taking these notes down for myself because, uh, you know, some of the things that I've done with my life um, when I was, you know, competing or, you know, even now regular day life, going to work and doing things like that. Um, Lauren, when you and I were talking off air, you were talking about your gut being your second brain. And that is so like on point. It's not even funny because a lot of the things that we put in our body, uh, you know, basically can resemble what we get out, you know? So if I'm eating poorly, then my workday is going to be sluggish or my workout is not going to be where I feel it should be. And as you had mentioned before, with creating the right system, you know, keeping your body balanced is, is just so important and you can really, really maximize your potential in anything that you do when you have your food and your mood on point. Uh, so, you know, everything that you guys are saying makes so much sense. And I'm so glad that, you know, we can go out here and we can talk about these things because there's so much focus on everything else going on in the world. And like you guys said, with the pandemic and everything like that, um, it's just very, very difficult um, to, to kind of balance um, as we get through this pandemic, uh, you know, and how are we going to get all get through this um, physically, mentally, and, and be better people for it. And, you know, I'm just so glad that you guys were able to come on and, you know, give us your time because uh, we know both of you are very busy and we're very excited for your January 25th launch, if I'm not mistaken. That's correct. That's great. So, you know, again, um, I thank you both for, you know, coming on and, and giving us these details. I mean, this is just rock solid stuff here. And, you know, we do a little segments every now and again to try to help people out. You know, recently we had Marty Lyons, uh, former Jed on talking about uh, his, uh, you know, foundation that he's created for children's cancer research and, and making a wish for, for children um, that, you know, have terminal diseases and things like that. So we like to step outside the football realm and talk about real life stuff and, you know, just how we can, you know, improve ourselves and, and get our listeners, you know, for those that may not be familiar with how to, you know, counterbalance some of the struggles that we have in our life. So again, this is just amazing to have both of you on and I'm very excited to, you know, continue to help you guys out. And I'm looking forward to when we link up again, um, you know, after you guys, get your, your company rolling and, and then you could tell us how everything's going and any other things that you guys might have um, to further, you know, the uh, revolutionizing the way mental health is uh, being conducted on, you know, a therapeutic level. Thank you so much for your words and thank you so much for having us on again. Um, if anybody wants to see if our program holistic happiness is right for them. There's actually a quiz um, that you could take for free on our website, yourfoodandmood.com. Um, basically anybody who is suffering, if you're a stress eater, if you're an emotional eater, if you're suffering from low energy or mood swings, if you have trouble sleeping or struggling with your weight or body image, anxiety, depression, we're here for you. So, um, and we, we can offer a lot of tips to help out. So the best way to reach us Absolutely. is yourfoodandmood at gmail.com um, or any of our social handles. They're all at yourfoodandmood. That's great. And I'll be sure to retweet that out and get that out to Thanks. our listeners. Um, we'll be going to jetnation.com and, uh, you know, posting this as well. Uh, so, you know, whatever we can do to help, 
you guys know where to find me. So please don't ever hesitate um, to get, you know, us involved. And, and like I said, really, really looking forward to having both of you come back on sometime down the line and uh, telling us what else you guys have um, in store for, for, you know, the fans, the listeners, and uh, the people getting involved with your great company. Awesome. We would love that. Thank you. Okay, Holly and Lauren, thank you again so much for your time. Uh, wish you guys well and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys hopefully soon. You too. Thanks, Al. Thanks, Al. Okay, be well. You too. Okay, great. Dylan, are you still there, bud? Yeah, I'm here. Got dropped for a second, but I'm back. (laughs) All right. So we got you back on the line. Um, That was really great. Definitely very excited. Um, Holly and Lauren are really, really good people. And I'm glad that, you know, we were able to give them an opportunity to, you know, talk a little bit about, you know, what they're trying to do to create more balance and and help the people, um, again, that, you know, may not be fully understanding what's going on around them. Um, you know, I myself have struggled with anxiety with certain things and, you know, stress and, and, you know, being frustrated while in the workplace and trying to find ways to be more balanced, uh, more productive and, and stay focused on my job and, and, and things outside my, my job network as well. Um, so I'm really, really excited about that because, you know, a lot of our Jets players, like I had mentioned earlier, are involved in, you know, supporting the homeless, uh, military support foundations. Um, you know, cancer research. I, I put a tweet out earlier for, you know, my claws, my cleats um, on my Twitter line. So listeners, please, you know, we, we encourage you to, you know, help us out and help Food and Mood, a simple like, a retweet, you know, extending it to another social media network that would really, really help them and, and help us. So, you know, let's do the right thing. And that's what we're all here about. We're, you know, we're trying to take something positive while we have this doom and gloom team that we're about to uh, transition back to. And um, let's get right back to the topic at hand. Um, this, this Raiders game, uh, Dylan, Sam Darnold comes yes. out um, and the team's looking pretty decent. Uh, we're out there. We're getting the ball to Mims. We're finding Paramin. Uh, Jameson Crowder finds uh, the red zone or a couple, twice very early on in the game and it looks like the Jets were rolling a little bit, but Sam had some hiccups in there. Um, <laughs> what was your takes um, from the game um, and what was your overall assessment? And then I guess what we can do is we'll, we'll transition into um, some, some studs and duds here before we get into, uh, I guess, the more drama related topics uh, that we have in store. Yeah, so for the, the stud category, my first stud here that I had listed was <clears throat> the combination of Ty Johnson and uh, Josh Adams. We spoke about it a little bit before Holly and Lauren came on. They rushed for 178 combined yards after Frank Gore went down with an injury. Johnson had 104 and a touchdown on 22 carries. Adams was 74, and that was the first time a, a Jets runner actually eclipsed 100 yards since Isaiah Crowell back in 2018. So first time under Gase we've had a 100-yard rusher, and it was not a guy that Gase 
was feeding the ball 20 times to a game all season. It was somebody that just had an opportunity to pop up and made the most of it. And then the second second one on my list was Jamison Crowder. You mentioned the two touchdowns, both in the red zone, which you love to see because normally you think down in the red zone that <clears throat> Sam Darnold's going to target a taller target as Denzel Mims or Brashad Perriman maybe, but I think Jamison Crowder getting open in the red zone is great. He was getting open all day on those little zig routes and speed outs, so that was good to see. Um, and then my third stud, which kind of a weekly appearance at this point, every time I come on I have to talk about my guy Quinnen Williams, picked up another sack, his sixth on the year, that, and then three quarterback hits brings him to 13 total on the year with nine tackles for a loss. And Quinnen Williams looks every bit of the – third overall pick that we thought he was going to be uh do you want me to go into the duds or do you want to follow up with some studs yeah go right into your to your duds that you have in there and then i'll i'll counter back with mine absolutely so the first dud i had was brashad perriman i thought for the most part he was playing cornerback more so than wide receiver which kind of falls on sam darnold a little bit as well but that Trayvon Mullen interception, I think, was Perriman's fault just as much as Sam Darnold. He could have came back to that ball aggressively, maybe gotten a hand in there, or tried to just, you know, be more aggressive on the ball. And then on the first drive on the Mims crosser where he got down inside the five-yard line, um, Jeff Heath was in Brashad Perriman's zone. I believe he was covering him on the play. And Brashad Perriman just kind of missed an opportunity to put his hands on a guy and make a block and I think that that block could have sprung Mims the extra three yards to get in the end zone I know the Jets scored three plays later but you know Denzel Mims getting that first touchdown you would have liked to see it so I put him as a dud uh then second on the list was anybody on defense covering Darren Waller um it started out with <laughs> Hewitt and Lange uh they were just dropping back in soft zone on third down letting him take advantage and then Towards the end of the game, you know, you saw him outside against Bryce Hall on the touchdown where him and uh, Marcus May just made, quite frankly, pathetic attempts to try to tackle a large man of his size around his shoulder pads. And then at the very end of the game, uh, Marcus May kept a drive alive on a third and eight, again, a cover zero blitz, um, and left him one-on-one with Darren Waller, and he got a holding to extend the drive inside the red zone for the, for the Raiders. And then the the third one, I didn't really want to have to put him on the, the dud category, but Makai Becton, he, he landed there for me. I, I know I talked about some good things he did in the run game, but overall he got beat by Cleveland Farrell twice, and they both led to strip sacks of Sam Darnold. So not so much a highlight game for Becton overall, but, you know, we're going to expect that from a rookie. He's going to see some things that he's never seen before, and uh, – you just got to hope that he can come back and correct them the next game. Okay, so run that run that down for me one more time. Your three studs were Ty Johnson, right? The, both the running backs, Crowder and Q. Okay, Crowder, Q, Williams. Then you had <laughs> – Anyone Perriman, put this out? We'll just cover Waller. The inside linebackers. Yeah. The Perriman, the inside linebackers specifically, and Mackay Beckton. 
I can't put it all on Marcus May when the linebackers are letting him get to that third level of the defense. So we'll say interior. The man can only do too much, so much, right? I mean, he's been having a great great season, and uh, yeah, you know, he's trying to do so much with with those inexperienced guys. Exactly. Prior to that holding call that I was just talking about on third and eight, he had two nice pass breakups. One was down the field. He was the -the over-the-top safety on Nelson Aguilar, and he just read. Nelson Aguilar's eyes perfectly and then the next play he came up on the line of scrimmage and bumped Bryce Hall out of the way and made a nice play on a slant to Renfro and then of course you know Neville Hewitt in coverage against Darren Waller on third down easy first down completion so Marcus May can only do so much (laughs) yeah and you know we had chatted about that prior to the game about you know how would the Jets do against Waller we talked about, mm-hmm. you know, Renfro being a problem, and he was early on. Um, Ruggs, you know, we had kind of a handle on him. He he dropped a pass. It turned into a turnover for us, and, and then he gets the late strike at the end of the game to become the hero. Um, so really, really just wild and crazy game. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm going to go right into my studs and duds. Uh, very quite similar to yours. Um, Pat Eflin really, really uh, stood out to me. A little bit of room to be desired in the the pass pro, uh, you know, area. But as far as um, being an effective run blocker, he had a lot of his keys. He was moving to the second level. Um, You saw him driving linebackers and safeties down the field. Um, Just kind of some stuff that we haven't really seen too much of outside of Makai Becton's weekly um, you know, body bag uh, throw that he, he has been doing with Baldy's breakdowns. Um, so Alphalyn gets um, is one of my studs. Had to put in Jason Crowder. He's been very quiet the last few weeks. Glad to see him and Sam get back on page. Um, you know, this was a guy that was basically the, the heart and soul of the receiving room early on, and then he had a couple injuries, and when he came back, you know, wasn't really sure if, you know, it was Adam Gase's poor scheme, not getting the ball to him. Or, you know, like Sam said, the defense is doing a real good job of trying to remove him from Sam and, and make him go elsewhere. Uh, but it's good to see uh, Jamison Crowder come back. And guy in our defense that kind of been quietly doing pretty well over the last few weeks and has an amazing amount of tackles at this point. I think he's at 105 tackles on the season at this point. And um, he had 12 tackles last Sunday, and that was Neville Hewitt. Now, normally we are, you know, when we're talking about Neville Hewitt, we're, we're usually talking about, you know, a blown coverage and seeing the back of his jersey and things like that. So I want to just shed the light on him just for a little bit because, um, you know, we have to uh, get something positive um, from this team from, you know, 12 weeks of just misery. And uh, for my duds, I'm going to go with, uh, Sam Darnold, three turnovers on the game. Um, good Sam, bad Sam. It really seems like the poor kid cannot get inconsistency out there. Um, not all his, there was some breakdowns. Um, some linemen got beat up and Josh Andrews had to come in for, uh, Greg Van Roten. And they, they were definitely, uh, very effective, um, queuing up, uh, Cleveland Farrell and, and kind of running stunts over Beckton and the young, rookie finally met his match it seems he's been doing really really exceptionally well all year um and it looks like Leland Farrell um 
create an opportunity for our young um, potential Pro Bowl left tackle, rookie left tackle, um, to learn from some of the mistakes that he made um, this weekend. You know, and and you got to take take some good out of the bad. Um, so you know, go study the film, work on your craft, and hopefully the next time around those two face, uh, Becton will be the one that uh, wins the, that particular one-on-one battle. Uh, for my other two duds here, um, unfortunately, Lamar Jackson is put in a pretty bad situation at the end of the game. Not all of his fault, but he ends up with, I believe, two touchdowns led up on the day. Um, the young UDFA rookie um, just seems to, you know, you know, trial by fire here. We threw him into the deep end. We're trying to see if he can swim. And Lamar Jackson is, is taking his lumps. I don't know uh, what his future holds with the Jets into the 2021 season. Um, he's a big guy. I think he's around 6'3", 225, kind of built like a safety. Very interesting that seeing him on the outside of corner. But we do know that um, our previous coach, who is my biggest dud, Greg Williams, likes big physical corners. Um, so perhaps that's why Lamar Jackson uh, has been getting more opportunities as of late. It'll be interesting to see if the new defensive coordinator, our assistant head coach, Frank Bush, uh, it'll be interesting to see who he deploys um, over the next few weeks. Um, And I guess it'll be interesting for, you know, guys like us that like to watch the film and see what exactly, um, you know, alters as far as do the Jets try to continue this scheme of a modified 3-4 and 4-3, you know, Will Frank Bush go in a different direction um, and and change some things? Or, you know, is it more or less going to be the same kind of defense that we saw? So definitely interested to see um, what Frank Bush has for us, uh, you know, in the upcoming weeks. So that's our studs and our duds for the week. Um, So I guess at this point, um, before we get into the Greg Williams situation, because I feel like that's probably going to take up a good amount of time, um, just check in the studio here. We have no caller, so it's just you and me, Dylan. Um, awesome. so let's talk a little bit about Alex Lewis's situation here. Um, a lot of speculation going on throughout the weeks on what was going on. Some rumors that came out about some elevated or intense arguments in the locker room and outside the locker room. Uh, turns out that Alex is going through some personal things right now. Uh, he was put on the NFI list. Uh, the Jets will be uh, paying him out, uh, but they're also very supportive of Alex. And whatever he's got going on, uh, we know that we love this game of football, um, but real-life stuff always comes first, you know, family and things of that nature. So, you know, Alex Lewis will not be participating with the team for the remainder of the year. Uh we were told that his future is not in jeopardy, uh, according to Adam Gase, but he really was not allowed to get further into detail about it. Uh, what was your perspective on the Alex Lewis situation, Dylan? Uh, well, so earlier today I listened to Rich Samini podcast, Flight Deck, and he spoke a little bit about it, went a little bit more into depth about that situation and said that there with rumblings of a possible blow-up during practice between Adam Gates and Alex Lewis. And obviously nobody is going to have sources close enough to find out what 
100% happened in that situation. But from surface, from surface level, if that is what happened, I think, you know, there is something that could be going on in Alex Lewis's personal life, maybe off the field that could have extended onto the field where he had a blow up and just needs, you know, to cool down and take care of what he has going on. So I appreciate or I like the fact that the Jets are, you know, paying him out. They're not going to, you know, he's not in risk of losing his roster spot. So I think that's all well and good. But on the flip side, you also have to be a little skeptical about another player having a bit of a rift with Adam Gase. And I think from my perspective, if I had to pick a side of anything, I, I obviously have no sources, but I would hope that it's just a, a problem between he and Gase and he and uh, Alex Lewis and Joe Douglas might have sat down separately and said, hey, we want you going forward. You know, Joe Douglas traded for him, and he's a Joe Douglas guy. He's not necessarily a Gase guy, so maybe he'll say, hey, let's just put you on the NFI. We'll let you cool down for the rest of the season. We're going to get rid of Adam Gase. And then once we can come back with a level head, maybe we'll rethink things. You can be our starter again, perhaps, and we'll go from there. So I hope that that's the case with Alex Lewis because I've always been a fan of his toughness. I like that he plays through some injuries. He was on the week one injury report with a shoulder, and some people think that that never fully healed and he's been playing through it. So you never know when it comes to these nagging injuries with players. So from my, from my perspective, I hope team, he's a, he's a good asset, a good depth piece at the, at the least. Absolutely. Um, you know, and, and my perspective on it is uh, he's a good, solid depth piece. Um, we do know that he has had some, some issues with uh, penalties, holding here and there. Um, he is a feisty, fiery guy, um, definitely tough as nails. I remember his first day of practice, he and Nate Shepard um, exchanged hands, you know, uh, just a, a passionate, emotional kind of guy. And I think that what we've seen in the past from our guards, which has not been great play, uh, he can keep you honest. Um, obviously, you know, there's a lot of room to improve on the offensive line and, and many areas of this team. But as far as having guys that, you know, will battle in the trenches no matter what, Alex Lewis, Lewis is definitely one of those players. And, uh, you know, moving forward, you know, we had talked about Cam Clark before. Uh, I'd really like to see him get more opportunities. Um, when you're 0-12, uh, what is the point of having, you know, seasoned vets get their reps at this point in time, uh, especially if they're, they don't have any long-term uh, future with us? So I would like to see Cam Clark maybe crack the lineup this weekend. Um, you know, my gut tells me Josh Andrews is probably going to be the guy. So a little room to be concerned there. We've seen uh, – I guess inconsistent play from him. I don't want to harp on him, but, uh, you know, we, we've seen some, some pressures. We've seen some uh, whiffs. And, you know, when you do stuff like that, that's when the quarterback and other players get demolished. So, you know, Sam's been running for his life all, all season. And the last thing that we need is to see 14 um, yet again with another injury uh, would kind of just further or, you know, solidify his, you know, potential future with the Jets, which we're unsure of at this point. Um, a lot of speculation, as we were saying, we're in the, we're in tank mode, majority of us. So a lot of the future 
is undetermined at this point. We have a good feeling on what's going to happen, but, uh, you know, it's December. April's a long time away, a few months from now. So a lot of things can change between now and then. So, all right, let's get right into uh, this, this Greg Williams situation here. Um, uh, for the fans that, um, you know, may not have caught the game or obviously had heard about it or whatever, um, Jets were leading, winning this game with a couple minutes left. Uh, the Raiders got the ball back. They got themselves to about midfield. I think it was a 46 or 48-yard touchdown, I want to say. Uh, there wasn't much time, maybe about 10 to 11 seconds left on the clock. And Greg Williams loads the tackle box, runs a cover zero blitz. And for those of you who are not familiar with the cover zero, um, it's basically the corners on the outside play man-to-man. They don't get any safety help or deep coverage help. And uh, you got to do your job. Really, really, uh, you know, obviously a bad call. Um, you know, the pressure meter was – and uh, dialed up by Greg Williams in the second half, and it seemed to be pretty effective for the most part. We were getting pressure on Derek Carr. But I think at that point in time of the game, you have to be smart. You have to try to win the game, go into a prevent defense, you know, put your three best coverage guys or safeties that you have available and, and put them in the end zone um, and don't let anybody in. That's kind of how I would have called it. Um, how did you see that, Dylan? Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in agreement with you as far as um, my particular play call for that type of situation. Um, I know this is no simulation of true football, but in Madden, I think nobody would run an engage eight on that type of situation. They would run a prevent and just drop everybody back in zone. It seems like the logical thing to do. Um, So, yeah, I would absolutely just drop my guys back in coverage, put Marcus May maybe at the 15-yard line. They were at about the plus 45, so put him 30 yards off the ball. He'll pick a side to whatever one gets beat because we have undrafted and, you know, late-round rookie corners on the outside, including an undrafted free agent in the slot. So, yeah, I think that would be my play call as well. Um, Pretty easy play call, to be honest. But on the flip side, I think that this is exactly who Greg Williams is. And no matter what, he wants to live and die by the blitz. He wants that last play of the game, you know, to be a flashy blitz and a sack or a sack fumble. Or, you know, he just wants it to be a nice slam door closed victory. He wasn't thinking about anything over the top. I think he just had tunnel vision on let's go get Derek Carr because it was working throughout the game. He had run cover zero a few times prior in that game. It worked. It didn't work. Some were penalties that extended drives. But overall, I mean, I wouldn't have necessarily fired Greg Williams after it. I think Adam Gase had, or well, the Jets, I should say, had no choice because when you have your defensive captain, Marcus May, coming out and saying eight times in a four-minute interview that it was a bad play call, I think that's going to create more tension if you keep Greg more so than getting rid of him. So, unfortunately, Greg's the scapegoat there, but... Uh, when you go back and look at the play on film, um, Matthias Farley was just in no man's land. He started 10 yards off the ball, crept up about six yards off the ball when when Carr snapped it, and just kind of stood there like he was doing a, like a spy. Like he had a guy in coverage, but he wasn't sure what they were going to do, whether it was Waller who stayed in to protect 
or whatever it was, but he just didn't commit to the blitz. And now I'm not saying it's all entirely his fault, but just having that commitment to the blitz could have executed the play a little bit better. So in my mind, I don't think Greg Williams needed to be fired yesterday. You think, I think you could have waited till after the season, but visually I think you had to because players were coming out and then you had Hewitt saying he might audible and he thought about audibling and, Gates saying he couldn't have uh, overturned the call with the timeout because he was talking to another coach. So visually, yes, you had to fire Greg Williams. But from a scheme standpoint, no. I think this is what Greg Williams does. Yeah, you know, a couple players seem to be a little uh, upset. And, uh, you know, one of them was Quentin Williams put out, like, you know, a sad emoji or something of that nature. Um, Yes, exactly. Yeah. Definitely a little, uh, little risky, you know, because we've seen some ramifications of other Jets players taking to social media on, on particular topics, and uh, things have not played well for them. So, um, you know, he's a young guy. I saw he quickly deleted it as well. I kind of figured as much that he would do so. Um, we know mm-hmm. that he's got good guys, good people in his corner, and you know, who knows if that came from the front office or you know from his from his people, but uh, I was a little alarmed when I saw that too. And I was like, all right, you know, let's not create more drama than there is in an 0-12 season. Um, you exactly. Know, I think I think you're right, you know, and I, a lot of people seem to be a little potentially nervous about this scenario here on, you know, why did Greg Williams get the ax, even though, you know, that type of play, that kind of scenario um, is deserving as such, but – Adam Gase has been twice as bad uh, throughout the last two years. And somehow he still hangs here. I know some friends from my inner, inner circle are preparing for life with Adam Gase in 2021. Um, I am trying to prepare myself for that as well. I'm really hoping that it's I'm hard. wrong on this situation. But, uh, you know, the Johnsons are just can't get my thumb on them, can't really get a read on, on where they're coming from or what they see. You know, the fact that they can sit there and look at someone in the face and say that they still have the utmost confidence in Gase and this crew, uh, you know, it's like a Pinocchio. I can't believe his nose is not growing after, you know, addressing the media in that manner. But, uh, you know, I don't want get to the, get the listeners all riled up with this conversation, but maybe we should prepare <laughs> ourselves just in case if it doesn't come, right? You know, that's what we got to do here. We exactly. Gotta, uh, you know, 2020 is has taught us one thing, expect the unexpected. Um, So, you know, Greg Williams, he's moving on uh, to his next chapter. He's no longer our defensive coach. Uh, You know, I put this out there on a tweet, you know, not everybody's cup of tea. I liked Greg. Um, I thought that he had the potential to take this defense to another level. I think he really, really showed that on on the second half of 2019 season, Um, you know, but, you have Mosley opt out. Uh, Pierre Desir experiment fizzled out, didn't work out. Um, you've got UDFAs and rookies out there. You've got second, third, fourth string guys at the linebacker position mixing in and out. Um, not a lot of great talent for Greg Williams to work with. Um, but at the same time, we really expected him to coach the team up because that's what we saw in the second half of the year. And I believe they're ranked somewhere between 29th to 30th. Um, in the NFL. So 
clearly not doing a, a did a great job. But I would have thought, you know, with Gase have making this decision, um, and when he Greg Williams had made some some comments earlier in the season about how it's not all on the defense because they're on the field majority of the game. Definitely took a shot at Adam Gase there. Um, definitely was a risk. Apparently they had to have, you know, conversations about that kind of stuff. And, you know, Williams put Gase into a, a tough predicament, having to address the media with those things. And we all know how Adam Gase handles the media. Um, you know, at some point he and Rich Zemini are going to have some sort of wrestling match before 2020 <laughs> ends here. It, it just kind of, oh, yeah. there's a little bit book, of. Book it at WrestleMania. You know, <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm I'm telling you, you can you can tell that there's a little something brewing between those two. Um, he asks for it yeah, every time. Uh, he says, "All right, that's the injury rundown. What do you have for me, Rich? Just waiting for Rich to butt in. Like what he's doing his job. He's going to ask the tough questions. <laughs> right in New York, that's what they tell you. That's what they try to prepare you for. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we just I don't know if these guys are just. You know, it, I, I've met and seen some of these people in in the past, and they're good people. Like they said, they have a job to do, and that's what they're going to do. So, you know, <clears throat> second rank defense, uh, offense. Um, you're not getting the the most out of your uh, players. Chris Herndon has been a ghost. We haven't seen any of him. The Jets do not find him good blocker. in any shape or form. He's a good blocker. You know, it seems like his, his job and, and Griffin's job is to mainly come in in mass protection and, uh, you know, help help the guys out there that have have trouble doing their job blocking. Uh, so, you know, perspective is interesting. Not sure exactly um, what his, pers- his perspective was, but uh, clearly he's not watching the same games that we are. But uh, we do have some time here to talk about, our upcoming opponent, and um, this one is a personal one, Dylan. Uh, we are going up against Jamal Adams and the Seattle Seahawks. I'm sure he's oh, yeah. ripped up for this game. You know Jamal's going to have a lot to say before the game, during the game, and mm-hmm. after the game, especially if we end up with a loss. Um, probably not going to be a lot of fun hearing to what he has to say, Um He'll probably be talking in third person as he does now and, uh, you know, probably poo-pooing on our team as much as he possibly can because that's kind of what he's turned into. Um, He was once a hero, (laughs) turned into a villain quite quick. Uh, So what do you think about how the Jets are going to handle uh, Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks, even though they haven't looked so great the last week? The Giants came up with a major upset last weekend in their house. And um, now here we are going to uh, – they're going to face the other New York team. Um, so what do, you, what do you think this one's going to look like? So I kind of wish Glenn was on this show. I wish he was able to call in at the tail end because I know that he's circled this one on his calendar so many times it probably ripped a hole in it. He's been so fired up for this rematch or revenge game for Jamal Adams, and I think it's unfortunately going to go how most – Jets fans think I uh I think it's going to be bad it's going to be a a double digit loss you know Jamal Adams is going to be like a bat out of hell coming for Sam Darnold because when they traded Jamal Adams you know there was those whole rumors with Ryan Clark on ESPN saying 
The Jets need to keep Jamal as a, uh, a centerpiece, and they need to move on from Sam Darnold in the middle of last season at the trade deadline. So, I mean, there's going to be bad blood, and it's going to come out hot and heavy. And I think Jamal Adams is probably going to get a sack, possibly a sack fumble. You know he's going to be coming off the right side. I don't think he's going to want to test Mekhi Becton too much, but it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I think the the offense, though, however, the Seattle offense has been struggling as of late. So let's see what the new interim defensive coordinator, Frank Bush, can do. I mean, I'm excited to see how he deploys the defense, whether it's more 3-4 or 4-3. But I think the Seattle offensive line is prone to leaks, and I think Quinn and Williams can get home. So it'll be interesting. Absolutely. Uh, You know, I I definitely feel – that uh, this is going to be somewhat personal um, for 33, obviously, with with all the drama that had happened from 2019 at the trade deadline and throughout the offseason. I actually kind of want to look up Jamal's stats right now because I was talking to my dad not too long ago, and I said, you know, he's getting really close to breaking that sack record. Um, And I want to pull up his stats right now. So Jamal Adams is at seven and a half sacks. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, it might be eight and a half or nine sacks for defensive backs. That is the record, I believe. I believe it's eight and a half or nine. So Jamal will have the opportunity against an offensive line that is a little inconsistent. Um, And I'm sure that his coach is going to be pinning his ear backs coming for us um, heavy and often. So I guess that would be a little bittersweet to see Jamal Adams uh, breaking that record against his old former team that drafted him. And um, you you said it right. Um, You know, unfortunately, Glenn um, may not be joining us tonight. I'm not 100% sure. Um, We do have a caller on the line, and the number is unrecognized to me um, at this point. Let's see if this is Glenn. Cole, you're on the line. Hey, guys. How's it going? Uh, Yes. Who's this? This is Glenn. Okay. That is not Glenn. I have a feeling our friend was trying to troll us yet again. So uh, the phone lines will be closed for the rest of the show tonight. And... um, it's been a long one here. We've gone an hour plus strong and uh, you know, we're, we're going to come to a, to an end here um, and wrap it up quite shortly. So what is your prediction on this game? Uh, what do you think the score is going to look like? Are the jets going to have a dog in this fight? You know, Seattle has been one of those weird teams that um, tends to have, you know, look like a Super Bowl team, and then the following week uh, they seem to look, uh, you know, like one of the bottom of the barrel teams here. What, what do you think is going to happen, Dylan? Well, I mean, as far as the score, I don't have an exact score yet, but as I'm talking through it, I'll probably come up with one. I just think that the the game script for the Seattle Seahawks plays in too good a favor for them just like the the Raiders last week coming off, you know, an embarrassing loss to the Falcons, 
this is a get-right game for them. And Seattle's going to be licking their chops. They just lost at home to the Giants, to Colt McCoy and Wayne Gallman, you know. So they're not feeling too good about that. And they're going to come out next week, and they're going to want to play. So I'm worried that the Jets may not score any offensive touchdowns let alone any touchdowns in the game, rather. I, I, I'm scared that it's going to be a 31-6 to type game. How do you feel about it? Yeah, you know, they got a lot of firepower on that team. Um, you know, they just got Chris Carson back. He, he's going to be a problem. He's a dual threat as far as being, you know, a guy that can run between the tackles and get involved in the passing game. Uh, D.K. Metcalf is just – becoming one of those studs, uh, wide receivers. He's making a name for himself. Um, he got a lot, uh, he had a lot of naysayers coming in. You know, he was too, too slow because of that three cone drill. He was too big, too muscular. He's going to be injury prone. He only runs one route, all this, you know, negativity and, and just false statements across the board. And he's taken the league by storm. Um, he can stretch the field. Um, he can work the intermediate and short areas, and he's hard to take down. He's a big, big wide receiver, probably one of the biggest, most physical guys in the league as far as the outside wide receiver position is considered. So, again, oh, yeah. who knows, um, you know, what Frank Bush is going to deploy. Maybe we see Lamar Jackson again. Um, I'm really not sure, you know, who else would be the next man up. Um, I know, uh, what's his name, Javelin Gidry, if I, if I said that right. Um, yep. I haven't really seen he's too the next much man of up him. It would be. Yeah. I think he would be the he number four. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't played too many snaps. I think Campbell, the guy that they just signed to the active roster last week, or, yeah, last week off the practice squad, I think he might even be the next man up. So it's going to be very difficult again. Uh, Greg Williams liked to run his cornerbacks and safeties 100% of the time on the field. So, Maybe Frank Bush kind of has no choice due to the lack of depth there. Um, I'm also excited to see how Frank Bush deploys Quinnen Williams and Jabari Zuniga because I think Jabari Zuniga has been grossly underused as well as Quinnen Williams. I mean, you look at Quinnen's last two games and he's got an uptick. He's played 73% of the snaps and then 82% of the snaps the last two games. But normally for Quinnen, he's in the 55 to 65 range. I have him at 64% of the snaps of the games that he's played in. So I want to see if Frank, Frank Bush will play him even more. I think he needs to be in that 70 to 80 range every single week. And then Jabari Zuniga, just get him on the field, put him in different situations, first down runs, second down runs, third down pass or runs, anything. Just get him out there, see what you have before the season's done, because we only have four games. And I don't think anybody wants to go into next season with a question mark of Jabari Zuniga at a position that, if he hits, could cover a major need for the Jets, that outside pass rusher. Uh, You know, you hit it right there on the head. Uh, This is the time of the year where we need to see what's in store for us in 2021. Um, Zuniga is, you know, we were waiting quite a while for him to get healthy and crack the lineup. Um, we've seen him in a rotation, but he has not jumped off the page. Uh, no big surprise from young and experienced players that are fighting in the trenches. Um, you know, you really don't see stat sheets being, uh, you know, marked up too much from, from those position players. 
So, yeah, let's get Quentin Williams deployed. Uh, let's style up his snap count. Let's get Zuniga involved. We got to see, you know, what we're going to be looking at next year as far as, you know, will he be, you know, competing for a defensive end role? Will he be looking to be an edge defender? I kind of see him as a defensive end in a 4-3 scheme. Um, and Same. clearly with there being a void at the defensive coordinator decision, we can't speculate on what our base will be next year. It could be a 3-4, could be a modified or a hybrid. It could be a 4-3 base. Um, so, you know, we'll see exactly, you know, hopefully um, what they're going to be bringing to us next year. And we got to know now with what we have, what to expect. And, you know, I like Henry Anderson and, We've seen Nate Shepard, and we've seen a lot of these other guys out there do things. And, and I think, you know, no disservice to them for what they've done because they're good players. But at this point, I, I think we have to start getting those reps up for our younger guys so we know what we, we have to expect for us. So I'm going to give my prediction real quick. Um, I think this is going to be another uh, ugly loss. Um, the Jets will continue to stay winless. And uh, it's probably going to be, I think they're dropping at least 30 points on us. Um, we might get lucky and, and, you know, maybe put up a couple field goals. This, this could be like a 31 to six or, you know, maybe a 31 to 10 game. And, um, you know, I know that there's another young player out there. And I know some people have said they want to see James Morgan. I don't know if I'm essentially ready for that, but, at the end of the day, you know, if Darnold's mm-hmm. not looking so great and he's running for his life and getting banged up um, and he's unable to get the ball to our playmakers, you know, people don't want to see Joe Flacco, but I would like to see Denzel Mims get in as much opportunities as he can to showcase what he has. Um, you know, I, I would like exactly. to see somebody try to incorporate oh. Chris Herndon and I'd like, like to see him yeah. score before the, the year's end, you know, let's get some of these guys yep. in, you know, involved because we haven't seen much from them at all. Any yeah. It sounds things, a little uh, selfish, Dylan? but uh, just, I would love to see Denzel Mims get in the end zone. I, I alluded to it when I first came on the show a couple months back that I bought a Denzel Mims autographed rookie card in the, in the off season in the Ooh. summertime when I was going through a, card phase so that's one of the ones that I hope really hits and I'm glad that the Jets got him because regardless of who the quarterback going forward is I mean you have to like what you see from him he's just contested catch after contested catch fighting for every yard he's great in the blocks like everything to like about him but I have a wild wild he, he card got question very close too. yeah, yeah I know and I think I think Perriman that's the reason he didn't but I it's it's more so about Jamison Crowder because Crowder is Darnold's favorite receiver. And if the future is bleak on Darnold, do you agree that the future should be bleak on Crowder? Or do you say, hey, you know, he's a slot guy for the next quarterback in? Or do you just scrap it and say, hey, we'll go with Mims and just go down to the studs and start over? Yeah, interesting there. Um, You know, I like what Crowder brings to the table. Um, next year is his final um, year of his contract. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure his agent is, is probably saying, you know, let's try to get you a good year so we can get you one big final payday or an extension with the Jets. Um, I'd have to say that we really haven't seen enough of Perriman 
at this point. And some of the things that he's done has looked pretty good. And some people are a little torn. Some people want Perriman to uh, come back next year and be a part of this offense uh, because we mm-hmm. kind of feel like we have an un- untapped weapon there that we haven't really uh, utilized enough. So I kind of lean toward, you know, let's dial up the Mims and Perriman meter. And uh, we know what to expect from Jamison Crowder. Um, even though, like, he is the, our best wide receiver that we have, or at least the the one statistically um, in that manner. But, uh, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, let's get Mims involved. Let's get him 10 to 12 targets. Let's force teams to try to make adjustments on us and, and you know, have them respect what this young guy can do because I think he's really, really close from having a big game. But that's not going to happen if you don't um, – put him into your offensive game plan and scheme him right and, and navigate plays to where he can get into space because I, I, you know, was a big fan of Mims when he was in college. I'm a fantasy football junkie, you know, admitting it's the first stage. Right. Um, And I had Mims Mm -hmm. on my team and he was a waiver ad and he ended up being my number one wide receiver on my team. And that's kind of how I came to know of Mims and, then when people were telling me he was a third, fourth round prospect, I was like, you're crazy. This guy's got all the the talent in the world and he has, you know, all this, this, the proper skill set to be a, you know, a number one potentially. And, you know, he came in through the process. He killed the combine. He did absolutely awesome. And then there was a lot of speculation from being a mid round day three pick to a first day pick in the first round. And I kind of feel that he carries a chip on his shoulder because he felt that he should have been picked in the first round and sliding into the second round to the Jets. So I like that he's got fire in his belly. I think we need to utilize that more and, and just, you know, keep the ball going toward 11. Um, Because, you know, the young man hasn't gotten into the end zone yet. I think he's due. And I'm kind of hoping that this is the weekend that does it because we have seen Seattle have some breakdowns. And, uh, you know, this is the year of the offense. A lot of defensive teams are not playing very well this year. Uh, So let's hope that that trend works a little bit or continues. And hopefully we see, uh, you know, Mims being uh, hopefully not just one touchdown. Maybe it'll be multiple, but um, I'll settle for one. I'll take one Mims score and, you know, let's get get the young guys going, right? Yep, absolutely. When on that two-point conversion, it felt good to see number 11 in the end zone again. And it's funny, no matter who's in, in the double ones for the Jets, it's let's feed that man because we know he's good. So, Absolutely. All right, Dylan, let's wrap it up here. Um, we almost made it 90 minutes tonight, a little bit of an extended show. Uh, just want to thank Lauren and Holly from Food and Mood uh, coming on to the show and uh, – you know, giving our listeners uh, some information about their great company and what they have in store to, you know, help people create more balance in their life. Um, that we're all about that kind of stuff here at Jet Nation Radio. Um, we know that, you know, this is a football podcast, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the outside world that we can control and we can't control. And, you know, there are ways to improve upon ourselves and, and just be the best that we can be. So thank you, Holly and Lauren, for taking the time to, uh, Give us your information. Uh, we will be retweeting and uh, supporting your stuff. And uh, Dylan, uh, good show, bud. 
Uh, Glenn couldn't make it this week, but uh, I'm sure next week we'll we'll all get together and you know he'll have his opportunity to uh, you know give his takes about uh, 33 the Prez. You know, hopefully uh, you know this this one goes a, a little bit of a different way. Um, you know, if we do get a win miraculously before the end of the year, I think we're all rooting for Jacksonville at this point, right? Um, oh yeah, I know I'm rooting them rooting for them extremely hard. I have never cared about Jacksonville. They had past, it this week. They're very important. Yep. Oh, they were so close. I was hoping they had Minnesota. it this week so that I could have rooted for, to finish out this game against Vegas. I was hoping that I could root for the Jaguars and the Jets to both win. But, hey, you know, it turns out the Jets fall fate. You know, I think the losses are, are, are what we need. So, All right, Dylan. Well, that's going to do it. Listeners, thank you for uh, joining us tonight on Jet Nation Radio. Don't forget to go to the forums at JetNation.com. There's no membership fees or anything. It's the number one football forum in the NFL. That's where all the Jets conversation goes 24-7, 365 a year. JetNation.com is your go-to source for Jet news. So everybody be well. Stay safe, and we will talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Jet Nation Radio. Glenn is at AceFan23, and Alex is at NYJetsLife24. Until next time, go Jets!